You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through our Christmas Advent series. I hope this holiday is actually a holy day for you where we can come together and think about what Jesus has done, his great love for us. I just, I love Christmas. I'm not gonna lie, receiving gifts are amazing, aren't they? Just awesome, so good. Receiving gifts, then you get to give gifts and you just have this love and you get to spend extra time with the people you care about. And I just think about the Father's heart, about how he um, put that in our hearts to have holy days, our holidays, something that's set apart where we can spend more time relationally and receive the love that he has for us and actually love one another. It's a pretty amazing picture of God's heart for us. Um, And, you know, with the holidays, there's ups and there's downs and there's stuff that sometimes we get, sometimes we don't. Um, But the constant, I think, should be remaining God's love for us. And it's pretty great to be able to focus that tonight. And so if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2 is we're going to be tonight. I'm going to read the story uh, in Matthew. We'll have the words on the screen. And then I'm also going to say Isaiah chapter 9. Those two sections, as we sort of come to a close with our Advent series, um, want to read the story. And we've been reading a lot of story. You didn't take my text, Pastor Robin. Uh, we, we started, man, we've done John. We've done Matthew, we've done Luke, and we've been looking at these key characters in the Bible as we're thinking about the advent uh, or the coming of Christ. Advent means a notable person coming or an event, a reputable thing coming to us. And so um, what I wanted to do is read from Matthew chapter 2 and sneak this story in, and you'll see why. So Matthew chapter 2, just read along, or if you have a smartphone, that's great, or just the word should be back behind me. Verse 1 through 18. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priest and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ, which means anointed one or in Hebrew Messiah, was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judah, for it is written by the prophet, and we've looked at this through the study of prophets, Micah 5.2. It says, O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from who shall come a ruler who, who, who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly to ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found them, bring, them, uh, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Let me just remind you, Scripture says this is a true story. It's pretty nuts, right? Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. 
Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, that's Jesus' stepdad, in a dream, and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I call my son." Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all in the region who were two years old or under, according to that he had ascertained from the wise men. When was, uh, then was fulfilled what had been spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. One more verse for us to sort of tie this thing together. Isaiah chapter 9. It's a familiar passage again. Speaking of Christ, speaking of prophetically, verse 9 and 7 says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. To the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to pray again and we want to ask for you to help us to see more of you. We thank you, Lord, for these stories, for this written word, how we can go to your written word and you want to speak to us. And I just pray, God, whether people in the room or even listening later, that your spirit would minister to them and speak to them in a prophetic way. That, Lord, they, by seeing you, Jesus, they would find hope and healing and peace and joy. And these things that we sing about in Christmas time and we long for, just belonging, the love of God, being known, peace. Um, Lord, we find all these things in you. And so I pray, God, that we would find that tonight as we sort of finish not only our Advent series, but Christmas Day. Lord, if we've done a lot of celebrating and so big buildup, Lord, help us to respond appropriately. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as a church, we've been studying the Advent series, and uh, I've been really encouraged by it. It's really fun to teach sort of topically and take a, a section or a season in the culture to say, what does Scripture actually have to say? And we've been looking at these key characters in the Bible story written down in Scripture from passages like John 1, Luke chapter 1 and 2, uh, Matthew 1, and now Matthew 2, and even some in Old Testament focusing on Isaiah, Micah, other passages like this. Uh, and we looked at some key characters. Uh, we started with the prophets. Uh, we even read some about the prophets from Jeremiah to Isaiah. And they really show us and remind us that God is always at work. He's sovereign, providentially moving and working. And he orchestrated this incredible story to be fulfilled in a certain way. It was strategic. It was planned. But then we looked at the angels and sort of got an open sense, an open door into the spiritual realm, that we're not just physical beings, we're spiritual beings. And God has the power not only to move things on earth, but in the supernatural as well. And he actually does that for our glory, for our good, 
to actually give and bring salvation. He actually shares his love and uses his power because he's meek. He's a controlled God that has power and is full of mercy and displays that through the Christmas story and he sent his son. But then we looked at these other characters, the shepherds. And it reminds us that this amazing, incredible God who has all this power and strategic and all of heaven can open up and move on his behalf. He goes and he goes to people like you and me, people that are weak, people that are marginalized, the, the rejects even in society, the shepherds, the weak. And he, God not only wants to display his love to us, but he wants to use us to display our love, his love to other people. And last week, of course, we looked at Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents. Man, just thinking about that, how God does things so much differently than what we would do and how he used even pain and the process of this plan for his purposes, for his good, to even grow Mary and Joseph. And we see them as key characters and them drawing near to Jesus through the path of pain. And so tonight we sort of conclude our Advent series thinking about all this in mind with only one point because I told Robin I'm going to go 20 minutes. He did laugh at me just like you laughed at me there. I said I can go an hour. I feel sort of bad doing Christmas story. Like you, I mean, I could do one verse for a whole hour, but if I would like to drill down one point to conclude this series and think about tonight and Christmas and our response of all the celebration, it's this question. How will you respond to Jesus' advent? That's what I want to spend the next 15 minutes on. Just how will you respond to Jesus' advent, this coming, this Messiah, Now let's start with the verse we ended first, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, because it tells us that we could respond to Jesus and his coming in a very personable way. He's a personable God. So if you read Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, it's familiar to a lot of us, but it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a savior is given. These are personal pronouns for you and for me. God actually gave us grace, favor, a gift. He gave his son, sent him strategically on purpose as a precious gift to be saved and to redeem, to seek and save sinners like you and like me. And we have a choice now to respond to Jesus and the Christmas story and how Jesus came. You see, God set up the prophecy, the angels, the shepherds, the whole story so that we would know who the Messiah was. And he wants us to know who the Messiah is. He wants to be included in our holiday plans in our celebration. That's why I think it's so great to actually celebrate and have a worship service on Christmas because it is a big deal to actually worship Jesus and to think about not just the cultural or traditional story, but what God would have for us prophetically right now. How will we respond? Many people have different views about who God is, but he has revealed himself. For if we look at Jesus, we can see who the Father is. If you want to know how God acted, look at the Gospels and read what Jesus did. And you know the Bible tells us something amazing and incredible? He loves us. He loves you and he loves me. For unto us a child was born. It's very personable. When you gave that gift, you, you said from you to that person that you gave it to. This is God's offering, his gift, his love offering. It was celebrated and really climaxed on the cross. 1 John 4 tells us it was demonstrated and manifested his love for us on the cross to seek and save sinners like you and me, and it actually happened this way. Jesus died for our sin. He grew up and on that cross gave us his righteousness and bore our sin, and he invites us to know him now. And the end of that verse, verse seven, it says, Isaiah says, it was the zeal of the Lord of hosts who did this. 
Meaning God was happy to do this. He's happy to know you. He wants to celebrate with you. He wants you to enjoy grace. He wants you to know him as wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These are personable names, attributes that only you can have as you surrender to him, Jesus, not as a baby, but as king. King of Israel, king of the world. For the government shall be upon his shoulders, Isaiah prophesies. He shall reign in peace, and there will be no end to his reign, and he will reign with justice and with, our, with, justice and with righteousness. Jesus came humbly to the earth to be raised and exalted by God, but he has been given the name above all names and will reign for all eternity. And we have to keep this in mind because the story does not end, even though our Christmas celebration may end here. Right? The Christmas trees are coming down, hopefully. Some of you guys, you have them up too long. It's okay. Don't judge you for it. But the reality is this traditional holiday, it fades away. But there is a verse in the Bible that says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the attributes that we're studying about right now will last for all eternity. And he taught us this himself in Matthew 12, 30, that we are either with him or against him, that we are for him and we know him or we know him not. But there is a reality that he will rule and reign for all eternity and you are either going to submit to his rulership and his saviorship and his lordship or you will be opposing him and you will not win. And this all comes on the Christmas story. It demands a response from us. John 3.36, the apostle John said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Even as a baby, Jesus coming on earth, in the Christmas story, it demands a response. And we see a great contrast and this question answered in a very personable way in Matthew chapter two, that long story that we just read about the wise men, about Herod. The contrast between the wise men and Herod to remember this point, how will you respond to Jesus's advent? And in Matthew two, we see these two different responses in two different characters who respond to Jesus. We're in the response mode. Christmas is about to be over. I'm about to milk this thing forever, though. I'm, I'm, my, my tree's being lift up until like January 2nd, at least. But the reality is, is what will we do? And we see what the wise men and what Herod did, either worshiping the Lord or opposing the Lord, is the same response we're going to have today. It's going to happen in 2023. What will you do? When the tree comes down, when the, the cute verses go away, when the, the carols go away, now, verse one of this story tells us sort of how the wise men respond. It's the event that happened after Jesus was born, okay? Sometime before he was two years old, we get this from verse 16. But as you read this story, it's a lot different than the nativity scene, even some of the carols that we even sing, sang tonight, because it tells us that the wise men went into a house to see the baby Jesus. Did you notice that? So now he's no longer in the manger, Right? There was no room in the inn. He's actually stuck, gave birth. Mary now and, and Joseph, they're all in Bethlehem. And the text actually says there weren't three wise men. It's the little details sometimes, guys. But there were three gifts. So some scholars and songs, they say, okay, there must have been maybe three wise men. But it actually doesn't say that. We just know there's plural. There's people, a crowd. 
and they traveled from the east, and they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these wise men tend to be a part of the Christian story because of their response, not because the night that Jesus was born. This is how important the wise men play in the story of the Christmas story. Verse 1 tells us they came from the east seeking the king, the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, Jesus, this baby being born. Now, some scholars, they actually suggest these wise men came from the Babylonian time, the kingdom when uh, Babylonian actually took over Israel, brought wise men back, people like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the prophet Daniel. He had a great influence in that emperor and in that nation. He was actually a magi, a wise person of that day, and he was a righteous man of God that probably brought the scriptures and brought a testimony in that place. We also know from 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 30, that people from the east were known as the wise men from the east. We don't know if they were from Egypt, from Babylon, but we just know they were from the east. And the point really is not where they were from, but what they were doing. God gave them a sign. It wasn't that they were so great and special, part of this Jewish nation, but God actually was going out after the Gentiles, wanting to bless the Jewish nation to go after the world, and there was a star in the cosmos. Verse 2 tells us they saw this star. He says, for, they say, for we saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. They recognized the significance of Jesus coming, being a king, but they not only had a supernatural sign, they also had God's supernatural word. And this is very important for us as well. Because verse 5 and 6 tell us, uh, tell Herod, they tell Herod that scriptures say, right? Remember Micah 5, 2, that there would be a baby born in Bethlehem? It says the prophet wrote, and they start prophesying or speaking scripture. So they not only had a supernatural sign, but they had scripture. And this should be a lesson for us. Because God does work in the supernatural, but you'll never know the person of God unless you go through the person of Jesus. You can have supernatural experiences all you want, even a star, pointing you in the right direction. You know, the Bible says that all of creation points to a God. But Jesus manifested and was made manifest so that we could know God. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, the sacred writings, speaking of scripture, are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. And of course, we know 16 and 17 for all scriptures appointed by the Holy Spirit for our equipping to actually live out this life. And so these wise men, they had the supernatural star, they had God's word, they were, they were studying God's word, they were responding appropriately to find Jesus. As we looked at last week, this is why we come to scripture, to find Jesus. And it led them to an obscured place, Bethlehem. Little history lesson for you, it was only about six miles radius wide, wasn't that big. A small town in Bethlehem, and they go and worship and respond by giving him precious gifts. Worship means to bring value or worth. You know, we talk about year-end giving or tithes and offerings as worship. You give God worship through your finances, through your time, through your mind, through singing songs, through loving other people, obeying him. There are many opportunities to give God worth in your life because he's a personable God and he'll ask you to do certain things at certain seasons and it all brings glory to him. So we can worship this God. And so these wise men are coming to worship this God. They're bringing value to this king. And in verse 10, it gives us this response or the fruit or what took place in their heart after they responded to seeing Jesus 
are seeking after Jesus. Verse 10 tells us their attitude. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That was the byproduct of them pursuing the king of Israel, the king of the world, Jesus in flesh, God in flesh. This is how they responded to Jesus coming as a baby. They worshiped and they found joy. If you worship God, you can find joy. You can find love. You can find peace. This fruit that God gives and promises and offers to us that is not just for a Christmas season, but for our life, any season that we face. And the Bible says we will have hard seasons and we will have good seasons, but God will remain faithful to bring joy, not even amongst the circumstances, but within us, his spirit, to have a personal relationship with him as we respond saying, you are my Lord, you're my king. But there's a second character responding to Jesus in a very different way. And it's actually tragic. Herod. Herod. Another king at the time who had a lot of power. Herod from the start in verse three says he was troubled. He heard about this king from the wise men being born, right? Because the natural response for anyone wise in the moment would go to Jerusalem. That was the big city. That was the capital of the Jewish nation. So of course you'd go there. But no, no, no. Jesus was found in Bethlehem because he came meek. He came humble. Uh, and so they go to Herod. They talk to him. And Herod threatens, uh, he, he's threatened by the lordship of another king. Uh, he was the king. He didn't want to submit to anyone else. So he tells the wise men in verse 8, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring no word that I too may come and worship him. Now, we know from verse 12, this was a flat-out lie. You have to realize that although people are around Jesus, they may not have him as king. There are many even that come to church that are around Jesus and the things of God and may even see a star in the supernatural work, but it does not mean they are even saved or even know about the King Jesus. They may... Worship him with their lips, but it's not an act of their heart. A submission, and verse 12 tells us that it was a lie because God warned the wise men, don't listen to Herod. See, the reality is you can't fake it with God. He sees your heart. And he saw Herod's heart, so he gives them a supernatural dream, the wise men. God does that. He's been doing through visions and angels and miraculous things. And he warns them and he goes. And he doesn't just warn the wise men. He warns Joseph as well in a dream. In verses, uh, the next verses 13 through 15, he warns not only the wise men, but Joseph. And Herod gets super mad. He gets livid. Because he wanted to cut the king off as a baby so he could rule and reign and no one could take his, his lordship to tell him what to do. In verse 16, he tells, it tells us something that is actually unimaginable. He kills all the male children under two years old. And yes, this is a part of the Christmas story. This is in Scripture. It's showing you humanity and sin and the opposition of what is in our flesh when we oppose God and his lordship because we know his lordship will produce righteousness and justice, Isaiah said. This is not of God. This is a thing where he wants to rule and reign, push God out, and because he's pushing God out, he's getting different fruit than exceedingly abundantly joy. The Bible says there is great mourning. There's lamenting. Verse 17 tells us that there was weeping, loud lamentation, which is a stark contrast 
from the wise men's results. And I'm always reminded of this verse when I think about two great contrasts and the Bible talks about over and over again, things of the spirit, things of the flesh. Galatians 6, 8. For the one who sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. There's two choices, things of the spirit, things of the flesh, two different kinds of fruit. There's fruit whether you worship Jesus and there's fruit if you reject and oppose Jesus. So again, the question as we come to the end of our Advent series, this first coming of Christ is how will we respond? Like it's very easy to look at this and say, wow, those are two different responses. But do we just have a lip service or do we surrender to Jesus as Lord? Do we expect in 2023 to bear fruit, good godly fruit? Not because of what we've done. The wise men were warned supernaturally through a dream and they actually gave gold and offerings and worship. They didn't really do anything. It was God that was blessing them because they were worshiping God. And see, when we respond to this grace and we respond to Jesus as Lord and King, we'll bear this fruit. And so as we take time to think about Christmas as we wrap up the night and think about all the amazing gifts and all the celebration that we had. Don't forget that this Christmas you can have a personal relationship with God. You can actually have joy. You can have peace. You can bear fruit in your life, but it takes you to submit to him as king. He didn't just come as a baby and he didn't just come as a savior, although that's a significant, important part. He is going to rule and reign because there's not just the first advent that we talked about, But the Bible says there's a second advent. He's going to rule and reign. And the Bible says now as a church, we come together and we celebrate grace. And it's not just on a Christmas day or a special holiday season or whatever. No, the Bible says we were to remember our great King and Savior who not only died but rose again for us and he will come back again. And so we take this sacrament called communion, realizing that his body was beaten for us. His blood was shed for us to remove sin and to give us righteousness so that we can be with God in heaven where he rules and reigns in righteousness. Not because we're so good, because we all fall short of God's glory, but he gives us this gift of grace and he says, respond wisely. The Bible says he desires that no one should perish. And we've been learning how we can actually give this gift and this message to other people and respond to it. Because we proclaim that Jesus not only died and rose again, but he's coming back again when we take communion. And Isaiah says, for the government shall be upon his shoulder. He will rule and reign for eternity as our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, and prince of peace. And so live according to God's word. There's a lot of fables. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of celebration. All of them are bad. But God actually wants to know us in a personable way. And we're to go to God's word and see, okay, this is what God has said. Now we say, how do we respond? And our prayer this Christmas is that you would respond wisely, just like these wise men, worshiping our Lord, coming to know him, and bearing much fruit in your life. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. 
God bless you.